You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to The Buzz, brought to you by the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic, and today we're buzzing into episode 155. And I, I, I have to be honest. Yeah. We've recorded so many episodes in the last, like, two weeks, I don't even know where we're at. I know. Yeah, it's uh, I, we're so, jumping all over. We've already done 156, and it's only going to get more chaotic. We're doing two guests next week? Two, yeah. And then uh, we're going to... We yeah. have, right now we have two booked. I'm trying to two move on, one of them yeah. because they somehow our booking software have, booked them for the same day, yeah. different times, and we could but, do it yeah. in theory. But, no, uh, but I don't know so if many, we want to torture ourselves for that a way. change. We go from nothing to twenty. Yeah, you know. So yep, it's yep. and at the busiest time of the year. So it's yeah. just a little chaotic. Like we already have next week's episode recorded. Yeah. In the in the uh, and we did it. Yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> it's, it's the time <laughs> matrix that we live in. But, and I bring it up on our next episode, but I'll bring it up again here. We have a ton of new listeners over the last yes. like month that uh that there's been a significant uh, uprise in the numbies. Listens are through the roof. So we want to thank everyone who's new here for listening to us. And, uh, and go back and listen to some of those best of episodes or just go back to the beginning of the catalog. It's, it's a... A uh, less polished product, but it's um, but there's still really valuable there's conversations good, that are in there. So when you when you run out of stuff, when you're ca- caught up with the the more modern stuff, it's good to go back and listen to some of those. Well, and then we're picking some out every once in a while to throw in like a best of episode. Just some of the conversations we really like. We've only done two, but they've been really well received. Yeah. So we'll probably do more in the future. Yeah. So, um, but for those who are new, this basically our podcast is. Is we are two? Uh, what did I? How did I describe us yesterday? No nothings. <laughs> no good next. Imbeciles or something? No, no, I didn't go that far. But um, we're lives. very, we're very self-deprecating uh, too. Yes. Um, but we're two folks that are in the native plant industry, uh, and but I wouldn't say that we're experts in native plants by any means, and that's why uh, my dad always had a saying. He's like, I like to connect myself with smart people because then people thought I was smart too. So that was our goal with yeah. this podcast is uh, is not to just make people think that we, we knew what we were talking yeah. about, but bring some of these higher-level conversations that we're privy to through our perspective in the industry and uh, and make them more widely available. And some of the stuff that we just think is downright cool, just get it out there, whether it's about native plants, habitat, the things that are kind of like aligned in that yeah. native plant sphere. Um, that's our podcast quickly grew into that realm. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about, had episodes on oceans and fish yeah. and, you know, yeah. it's, it's we all encompassing even, with yeah, the environment. One of the things we've tried doing a couple of times is bringing out, bringing in some outsider perspectives of like, a, we had an episode with Joe Somelli who, uh, was formerly a mediator now has his own podcast called cut and retie just to, to kind of bring in, he's a fisherman. He's in an aligned, uh, outdoor space should care a lot about native plants to get his thoughts on, native plants and native habitat and how it affects what he likes to do with fishing, even though he doesn't really have uh, native plants. So there's, and there's he a had a great perspective. Yeah. Um, and then tie in a whole bunch of, of popular authors and just 
popular speakers and people who just maybe are a little more under the radar but are really cool doing, when it comes to native plants and, and doing habitat great stuff. work yeah and we we get to have these conversations all the time and we're happy that we can have them in a way that it's palatable to the to the novice mm-hmm. uh, but enjoyable to the expert yeah exactly so, so and we're somewhere in the, the middle yeah there. yeah we learn a lot yes. on these episodes as, and as and it is definitely evidence in our next episode too there's we were oh, in kid yeah. mode oh man <laughs> it was a lot of fun but we like to start these buzz episodes with some of the the follies we've had <laughs> over the past couple yes. weeks or or some of the follow-up we've gotten from from past episodes or things that we forgot to talk about um, one of which is every once in a while we throw out just more random unstructured contests out there. And one we did was uh, called the Native Plant Anthem. and um, Not one submission yet. Which we haven't got a submission. And that's no. probably our own doing. And, and you know, someone – some one of our listeners, Alyssa, did reach out saying, you know – you, you didn't give anyone a time frame, yeah. And and you're working with creative people, <laughs> creative people who, yeah, they they need some structure because they often don't have it on their own. Yes. And, uh, so we should we should probably amend that. What yes. what kind of limit would you like to put on this? I contest? would say let's do it two buzz episodes from today. So basically a month from okay. Uh, not well today being the day this releases. So for if if you're unaware. Of the contest on our Tom, – Tom was playing with ChatGBT and had it write a native plant anthem. So we have the lyrics. We have posted them on our Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. Is it a pinned? It is a pinned – or it's a featured post. It's a featured yeah. post. So we've provided the lyrics. This is where the creativity jumps in. We're looking for you to put music and sing this song, create this native plant anthem that we can use on our show, maybe outro music. Um mm-hmm. Maybe I, I don't know. In some way, we're going to incorporate it. We're going to give you what? What was the cool prize? A hundred dollars worth of Native Plants Healthy Planet swag. Yes, from our store. From our store. Yeah. So we, all you need to do is submit a song, and we will pick a winner. Yeah. So once we get all the submissions, hopefully mm-hmm. within this next month, I, I'm gonna let's, that, let's set date, a date. What I was looking at is four buzz episodes, or the next two buzz episodes from today would be May. 26th i'm all gonna right. extend it to may 31st okay and then, then that gives us a week to kind of review things yeah. and uh and then it'll, so it'll be the third buzz episode is when we're gonna start getting down the nitty-gritty and okay. saying who did a good job are and, we going to pick or are we going to allow the listeners to pick oh we haven't we haven't, we that haven't. Yet. no <laughs> so, like maybe we should we should hash this what out we've done in the past we, we did with the drawings Yes. We had a, a Saul drawing contest, and for new listeners, you have no idea who Saul is either. Um, <laughs> with the Saul drawing contest, we picked what the top. We couple. each picked. No, no, we we, we took them out there, the winner, put them out there, and then, and then we picked the winners from what the top couple were. I thought it was I picked one, you picked one, and the listeners picked one. It's been then, a while. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then I don't remember how where we went from there. Did we put it up for a vote at that point? Uh, you don't, I, no, I think yeah. we just, I think we, we just, just we chose one. a winner. We chose a winner. Okay. So, so, but I think that's probably a good way to do yeah. it is let's, let's get these submissions. We're going to pick out our top, whatever, yeah. the, the top few out of that. The ones that we think are, are the best or made us laugh or yes. just were the craziest. Uh, there is no real like style guide you guys listen to us you kind of know what we might be interested <laughs> in too um probably maybe even better than than we are so now, do what you points, think is gonna make us happy bonus points 
if the song is submitted by a band name that we have identified oh, yeah. on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> That's become one of my favorite things to that, pick yes. out now is those those random band names that you yes. come across. Like, there's, there's a good a, one a good in the one upcoming. The yeah, there's a good but, one in the um, next one. But and then, yeah, so we'll pick out the top couple. Okay. And then uh, from there, we'll put it in the Facebook group. And then uh, from there, we'll let people, uh, they'll vote for their favorite. And from there, if we need to intervene and, and pick a winner, we will. But if not, then we'll we'll put it in the hands of the people and they'll pick Perfect. their favorite. And I, I hope there's some lobbying that goes on, some politicking, maybe some, hey, let's bring I'm, some more people into the network to, so we get more votes. Bonus points yeah. if it's someone famous. Oh, we keep saying. I would love to launch no one, the next All these the next listeners, star. no one has brought us a – Yeah. A, uh, I, I know we've had famous people on the podcast, but not like musician Hollywood yeah. famous. Yeah, we yeah we know what's it. Mark Ruffalo's in the he yeah. he cares about the environment. Leo Leonardo, DiCaprio. Yeah, we we were offered Little Dicky at one point. It never happened. Never happened. Never happened. I don't know. So. We, have to, we have to knock on that door again, <laughs> which is actually a good segue into some of the other things I wanted to follow up on in. Um, Talking about fame and popularity and all this stuff. I was recognized in public yesterday really? when I went out to lunch at our really? local Columbus General Store. Uh, Get out. Someone said that they watched uh, my Instagram videos, oh, and Facebook that, videos, and really liked them. That is so, awesome. That's and, very cool. And she did a lot. I think, uh, her name was Susan, and she did a lot with native plants in her yard. Very And nice. was buying a lot of stuff from Toad Shade, which was cool. In addition to that, we have our first blue check follower on Instagram Really? And uh, I haven't looked. Any guesses on who it might be? Would I know the per? Uh, Would I be able to? You might not. All right. (laughs) You may. No, a blue check, though, you're just paying for verification. No, no, no. No? Not on Instagram. Oh. Uh, oh, on Instagram? No, you no. can now. I, oh yeah, maybe it's you meta, can, but meta verified. No, this person. Uh, let me see how many followers they have because they. All right. I'm pretty sure they have uh, uh, quite a few. Okay. Um. Oh, now it's. Oh, there it is. Two days ago, they started following us. Uh, probably because I wrote them <laughs> a message <laughs> about about. They posted a video of um of some paw paw trees, and I wrote, "Now you're speaking our language," and um and then they wrote back, and then I was too nervous to say anything back because I'm a big fan. And uh, oh, and then they followed us. Who so would it be? Um, ooh. I'll put it uh, – I'll give you a little hint, Frank. Okay. They're in the food slash YouTube space. Food YouTube And they have 811,000 followers on Instagram. Food YouTube space. See, that's not a space I know. It's someone I've talked about in the office quite a bit. And Lydia, I, who used to work here, was also a big oh, fan I know, of this person. I know who you're talking about. I don't know their name. I like, if you, when you say, is it I the, think because she was also, oh, no, that was Kelsey, like the other guy. No. She liked binging with Babish, who I also watch. But, and he does not follow. Who's us. the one that does all the sound effects with the videos when he's, that you're on, you're on the yeah, right track now. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. I don't know. His, when you say the name, I'll know it, but I'll, his, I'll never think his of name, it. His name, I hope people are like, oh, I know who this is, or I have no clue <laughs> who this guys are talking about. Name is Brad Leone. Yes. Uh, he used All to work right. for yes. Bon Appetit and had a uh, uh, whole – I love those YouTube videos, and I really, like, hated that they stopped. Um, and then during the pandemic, and then a yeah. whole bunch of stuff went down with Bon Appetit. And, uh, but he's been making some of his own stuff now, which I watch all the time, and I laugh, and I hope he's listening to this. Yeah. That would be awesome. This would be like – That would wow. be very cool. I, I went I, When this happened, I saw it, like, uh, end of the day on – I guess it was Tuesday – 
And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> oh, this is awesome. This may, this may be the biggest moment of my life. <laughs> and, and my wife overheard that. And she's like, you mean like more than our wedding and more than more than our, our son's birth? Yeah, you like, got eh, it. Eh, maybe. Well, how, how long can the list be? Like there could be 10 yeah. great moments in your life. It could include yeah. no, all this those is, things. Uh, this is a person who I would – I've. They're a Jersey person. Well, they live in Connecticut now. Brad lives in Connecticut yeah. now. And but um but he's originally from Jersey. I don't hold it against him that he calls it Taylor Ham instead of Pork Roll. I can forgive but, that. I can forgive that. You but, know, uh, that's yeah. I still hold very dear to my heart and I feel the same way. I am I I think I've mentioned on here before, but when you you look at Facebook friends, I'm Facebook friends with Patrick Carney from the Black Keys. No one knows who that is. Everyone no, knows I who that like... is. Well, some people know who it is. Yeah. But he actually friend requested me. I yeah. don't know why. He yeah. didn't know who I was. That was before yeah. all of this. But I'm afraid to comment. Like I'm almost afraid. I'm like I'm afraid if I comment on anything. And yeah. it's his personal yeah. account. It's not like a private account. Like I'm seeing baby pictures, mm-hmm. wedding pictures. I'm afraid like once I comment, I'll be like, who's this? How how this person? Yeah. Watch him be a listener. And it's like. <laughs> oh, uh, if, if that's the case, then he has to come on. But it's a. Uh, that was well before this. I yeah. just kind of yeah. quietly keep that one in my back pocket. Like I don't want to, I don't want to rock the boat. Well, now you've broadcasted to thousands of people. Maybe one of them knows <laughs> Patrick, or maybe it's Patrick himself. And like, I don't. Well, one be. of my actually, we had one mutual friend, mm-hmm. and it's a friend of mine yeah. from high school that's in the music industry. And I actually texted her and went, "Which one of our idiot friends has a fake profile pretending to be Patrick Carney?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I see your friends with them. And she goes, oh, that idiot would be Patrick Carney. That's really him. Yeah. Like that's his real personal account. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, cool. So I understand that's one of the great, greatest moments of my life, but yeah. I'm not going to say that in the presence of my no, it, my wife. It was a, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it, in all honesty, it was flattering to see that because um, yeah. it's that like, means a lot. It's when you watch, it's someone you watch a lot of. It's, uh, it's cool to know that they – at least they checked be- out something you did, and they get yeah. behind what you're doing enough yeah. enough to follow you. Like some some people like that don't just follow anyone. That is, and they don't have a lot of people they follow. That is something I found really fascinating is how many people are getting into native plants that were in aligned things. Yeah. Like like cooking is an aligned thing yeah. in my mind where where because foraging is such a huge thing. So he's gotten into to uh, well he's obviously he's a professional chef. Getting into foraging, getting into hunting, or he's been hunting, I should say. Um, so all these aligned things, and now he's getting into native plants too, because it's all ties together in a sense. Yeah. Um, I don't know how music ties in, other than that we're asking people to, to write us music. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So, but we would love love your entry. Yeah. for the native plant anthem, get yeah. cracking. So yeah, May thirty first. That's the deadline. Listen, we will I, allow creative freedom with the lyrics. I know there's it's, one musician in our listening family. Yeah. At least one. Well, I know there's a listener who has a whole children's choir that could could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Challenge. Yeah. yeah, it could be All right. you could do there's no limits on genre. It could be a rap, it could be Yeah, it could be opera, it could be You just have to use the lyrics. That were generated by Chat yeah. GPT. Yeah, yeah, or a modif- slight modification. Slight, yeah, it's got to be. Based you can add a "ooh baby baby" to it. Yeah, or you, if you make a better rhyme out of something, or, or better, okay. you can amend the lyrics. But just uh, yeah, it's Hold not. It's not. Form. We're not asking you to make a completely brand new song because okay. 
I think that would make it a lot harder for us to judge. I agree. Big reason. I agree. But all right. Last thing to follow up. Yes. Got a lot of good feedback on our quasi aligned grow read a book from last week, which was uh what was it? Some we love, some we hate, some we eat by Hal Herzog. And uh a lot lot of just good conversation revolving around that. There was one part afterwards that I realized I forgot to talk about. And that was trick I I just want to say those conversations. I don't know how you felt, but I always feel a little trepidatious because oh, yeah. you don't know how they will be received because it is controversial, and mm-hmm. there are people that have very strong opinions on both sides yeah. of that. Yeah. So, and the I, reason I brought it up is because it's thought provoking, especially yeah. in while we're dealing talking about native plants and habitats. But a lot of these things are uh, again it's like aligned or quasi aligned yeah. with that topic yeah. in a sense. Um, but one of the big things I forgot is he has a whole chapter on um, – or at least a whole portion of the book that was on, like, animal cruelty or animal torture. And he was like – it brings up the common uh, common conceptions about that. And it's like, yeah. oh, there's, there's uh, a correlation between uh, kids who torture animals at a young age and becoming like serial killers or, or criminals and all that. And so there really isn't a lot of evidence to back that up yeah. realistically. And then somehow he started polling. He pulled a class on how many, how many students had tortured animals expecting there to be like a significant difference yeah. in male, to female or, or some kind of uh, pattern there, or maybe with grades or something yeah. like that. Um, turns out that correlation didn't really exist. It was like, I think, 55% male or 60% male, 40% of females admitted that they did that. Um, so it was a slight, but it wasn't like it was, he was expecting the female population to be like at almost zero. And um, and then he started pulling his colleagues, like other professors at yeah. this college. And he was like, what was really interesting is almost every single one of them had a story about a time they tortured an animal. And Every single one of them really – it was a regrettable yeah. memory that was burned into their brain. Yeah. And, like, stories about they they found a stray puppy and were playing, like, yeah. loving it, but yeah. playing catch with it in yeah. a sense. And it was, like, throwing it over a fence, and it was hitting the fence. Uh, and, like – and then uh, clearly the puppy didn't make it. But it's, like, at the time, they're young kids. They didn't realize yeah. what they're doing. They think they're having fun and playing with the dog in a loving way, but it really wasn't a loving yeah. way. And that is – but as the one of our uh, – a native plant everyday episodes. I was just thinking about it. I'm like, I found a tick crawling on my arm. Typically what I would do is you put it in the toilet, yeah. which I guess is still yeah. torturous in a way, or put it in tape, which is yeah. somewhat torturous in a way. But instead I like, cause I didn't have those things handy and we're in the middle of recording an episode. I like took it and I put it under my pen and then put the pen on it to kill it. And I was like, man, that's why did I do that yeah. <laughs> in a sense i don't like ticks and a lot of people don't like ticks and a lot of people are doing the well, same things i'm doing and i think it goes back to but, the whole conversation of the book is why yeah. is it certain things that is that okay yeah. like i think the one thing when when you brought this conversation up outside of the podcast and, and you mentioned that oh, yeah. to me the yeah. first thing i thought of as a kid and it's something that i think about a lot and it, it wasn't just me it was everyone like as a kid lightning bugs were so abundant yeah I remember we would all get at night, not like every night all mm-hmm. the time, but like you'd get a wiffle ball bat and you'd swing. And if you hit a lightning bug, yeah, like they would just light up and fly. Mm-hmm. Like and and young kid, probably like six years old, seven oh, years yeah. old. Yeah. I look back and I'm like, oh my god, what were we? 
what were we thinking? Yeah. What were we doing? Yeah. No one and no one ever said, "Hey, that's wrong. Don't do that." Mm-hmm. You know, not making excuses, but just that's one of those things I think about all the time. Going, wow, you know, like yeah. what? What were we thinking? Like yeah. there was no oh, yeah. thought, you know. Yeah, and there's like there's more ex- experiences that I have where it's like some similar to that, some yeah. that are some more similar to other stories yeah. that are in the book, and I'm like, but it was tended to be in a place. Well, where I'm in my youth, yeah, and then uh, either my parents said, "Hey, you, that's not something you should do," and it was taught not to. Yeah. And, but it's memories that are really like stuck in. Like another one, yeah. I, I remember being over at my friend's house, and there was pill bugs walking across their like back walkway, yeah. and we're using a ma- like a magnifying glass to burn them. Yeah. Like now, today, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. No, but, but when I was a kid, kids did that time, with I mean, ants. Yeah, like you'd, you did. you'd see it it's, on a cartoon and go, "Oh, I want to try that. I want to yeah. see if I can." Make an ant catch on fire. Yeah, yeah. So that was just an interesting part, and I forgot to bring it up in the last. Uh, I had a bullet point in it, but I skipped over it to talk yeah. about something else. I never came back. But the other thing that someone had brought up in the Facebook, and I forgot to respond to them on Facebook about this. They go into more depth about the whole cattle industry, um, and uh, and then aligning with that, there's a an Instagram page called Sustainable Dish that I follow that has. I don't agree with everything they say, but they have a lot of. Um, in, in fact, I reached out to this. She's a nutritionist. Okay. And I reached out to this person to recommend someone we could have on the podcast to talk about the concept of regener- regenerative agriculture and how these food systems, animal food systems, can combine with native plants. Because there's a lot of push into that. I think when you look at the the conventional uh, meat system in the U.S. with the food lots or the big chicken farms and all that, I think we can look at that and say, okay, there's a reason we're doing it. But is it the best for the animal? Probably not. Is it the best for the environment? I would think definitely not. Um, but when you look at, like, grass-fed or regenerative ag, or even a lot of these before the the steers get to the yeah. food lot, um, they're on the land, and they're feeding on natural forage in a lot of places. And what the water that they're consuming, in a sense, uh, is primarily from natural rainforest, whether it's consumed through yeah. actual drinking or through the plants. Um, and that's what sustainable dish, I can't remember her name. Um, her, one of her main points is that the, that water gets factored into how much water it takes to raise a cow versus raise some plants. But it's like, that was, it wasn't like it was supplemental water. Yeah. This was water that hit the ground and grew in the plants. Like it was going to happen regardless. So why are we counting that? as something yeah. that is necessary to raise a cow when it was something that was going to happen anyway. It's not like we brought in a water truck and put the water there for them specifically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the book goes into more depth, and there's a lot more. And something, again, we talk about native plants and then aligning things, things that touch on native plants or, or maybe glance around native plants yeah. just because they're of interest to us and we think it will be interest to more people. So, yeah. So that it was, was uh, it was just and and actually when we get to a question and comment line there was actually a call in about that. So we'll revisit it a little bit more. How about we kick into we always start off I know at one point in the history we tried to reorder the segments and and neither of us liked it. <laughs> so the first segment we always kick into is uh the plants that we're vibing with. So let's uh jump right into that's hot. That's hot. Would you like to go first? I can go first, friend. Why not you? Because I, I, I just see a uh, a link, a link, yeah, and I'm link. curious what. And I'm looking at the link, and I'm like, I want to know more about this. Yeah. So, um, so my plant is a plant we've talked about 
numerous, numerous, yep. numerous times. Very common in the native plant sphere. It's one of the gateway plants in a sense where people plant it and then find out later it's a native plant. Yes. They don't necessarily plant it just because it's a native plant. That plant is eastern redbud, which is Circus canadensis. And, again, we've covered it a lot, so I don't really need to tell you that much about mm-hmm. Circus canadensis other than it's beautiful. It's blooming right now. It's got these these uh, like reddish buds that turn into pinkish, almost sometimes purplish, sometimes more red blooms. Um, and, and then it has heart-shaped leaves, which are really cool as well. Uh, so, but... I saw something online. My wife actually showed it to me. I think it was on TikTok um, about red bud jelly. That's something said, I've I never tr- heard I about. Try yeah. this. Apparently, it's an Appalachian thing. And then okay. there's when I Googled red bud jelly, I found a whole bunch of different recipes on it. And I said, well, I'm going to choose the one from Real Tree Camo <laughs> because <laughs> that's just a different source that you wouldn't think would care about this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, there's like other different like farm to table type. Uh, type websites or food blogs on there. I'm like, I'm choosing Real Tree. All right, just to showcase that. So to make red bud jelly, um, and this is better. Uh, this information is better served for the folks that are further north of New Jersey because south of New Jersey, they're going to be out of bloom. Ours yeah. are just coming down. I'm yeah. going to try and take care of it. There's a tree I have that's blooms a little late. I'm going to try and pick them this weekend. Um, but basically. Uh, the how to make red bud jelly is you're going to need about four cups of red bud tea. How do you make red bud tea? You basically take the red bud blooms and and put them in hot water and it seeps steeps out. Okay. You got to steep them for like twelve to twenty four hours. Oh, from what okay. I read as well. All right. Um, from there you're adding a whole bunch of sugar, uh, pectin, um, lemon juice. It says butter. What's the oh. butter for? Hold on. I, I don't know, but everything's better with butter. Yeah. So, uh, and then basically you're making jelly like you would other jellies from there. Like if you're making grape jelly or, or other jelly. So, uh, doing a little home canning, but it's something I'm going to try this weekend. And I figured I'd talk about, I always love different uses for native plants, especially when they're culinary uses. Uh, something I'm going to try. Um, red buds, I've always known to have like a pea, like pea, uh, type taste yeah. to them. So yeah. I'm really interested in how this will taste. I don't know how pea jelly would would taste. I, I'm, it doesn't I, sound I, the most appetizing. Uh, yeah. But you put a little lemon juice, a little I think my, sugar. The, and I can't see it being bad. The face I so. just made probably describes how I I feel <laughs> it would taste. Yeah. So awesome. I'm gonna right. make it. I'll I'll try and make a little video about it or a little little not write up. I'll I'll share my experiences making cool. it at the very least. Very but, cool. But uh, yes, just want to awesome. share that because I I want to tell now before I did it because I want. Other people have the opportunity to do it, not have to wait two weeks, and then it might be too late. All right. So, so are you going to share? Are you going to bring it in here? Oh, yeah. yeah we do course. it during the podcast? Yeah. Maybe we can definitely. even film it and put the video out mm-hmm. so you can see if it if it tastes bad. Are you going to try it before we – you going to taste it before you bring it in? Um, I – oh, yeah, probably. Okay. I'll probably taste as I go. All right. Okay. So, All right. Very yeah. cool. I, yeah, I can't see it being bad. I think it's going to yeah. be good. It's just – uh. Just how good is it going to be? That's a good choice for a good reason. I, you know, it's funny. I, I love sometimes the reasons why we pick that's hot. So last week you did yellow trout lily mm-hmm. because you had done a, a prescribed burn on Foggy Bottom Farms uh, for quail habitat. And all the yellow trout lily came up heavier than than normal. Mm-hmm. So I went back to look at it and intermingle. There, First of all, there were so many wonderful things back there. There were spring beauties, big uh Groups of that, May Apple and Jack in the Pulpit. 
uh, all these great ephemerals. But along with it were white wood anemone, mm-hmm. which is anemone quinquefolia. Um, I should have sang that. <laughs> yeah. It, you should. You still can. I, I, no, and then in the quinquefolia, <laughs> Sarah will appreciate that. Yeah. You'll learn more about that next episode. So, um, I noticed it while over at Foggy Bottom Farm doing it. So, um, and that's if if you want to hear more about the yellow trout lily, Tom did that on the last buzz episode one fifty three. But about anem- anemone quinquefolia uh, from Wildflower dot org. It's a low, delicate plant with a whorl of three stalked, deeply cut leaves and a solitary stalked white flower. Slender stalk has basal leaves and a whorl of three to five parted leaves at its apex. A single white or pink flower arises above the leaf whorl. Solitary divided leaves also arise from the rootstock, and it does disappear after blooming. Uh, it is an early spring wildflower, which often forms sizable stands on woodland borders. Since anemones are usually slender stalked and tremble in the breeze, they have been called windflowers. Uh, they enjoy part shade to shade, moist, damp, rich, mucky soils, forms ground cover colonies. All parts are poisonous uh, when fresh. It is facultative upland, and you can find it from Maine to Georgia, west to Oklahoma, and north to Nebraska. Um, I'm kind of excited. This weekend, I'll be visiting Bowman's Hill Wildflower Preserve, and it should be in the middle of their ephemeral glory there. And I'm looking forward to seeing the uh, yellow poppy and and the uh, Virginia bluebell. I'm hoping to see some of these there. I'm hoping the weather holds out because they're calling mm-hmm. for rain. So I'm I'm really hoping that uh, that I get a chance to walk around without an umbrella. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you never know. But two great choices. Two great choices. If you don't know either of these, look at that. We're going to put this link in the show notes so that you can try to make Redbud jam yourself or Redbud uh, jelly, and uh, you and Tom can compare notes. Um, or if if you don't know either of these, look up a little bit more and try to add them to your property if it's appropriate for where you're located. Do you ever think anyone? Um when you say two great choices, because you say that every show, yeah, have, they're native plants. They're always choice. two great choices. Was a, <laughs> yeah, the, French we did, choice was a bunch. We of did crap. poison ivy, and I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, trying to think what else. And cattails, two great choices. <laughs> Add them to your property. So, um, what do you think? You want to do some this or that? Yeah, yeah. You want to explain to our new listeners what this or that so, is? So, yeah, this or that is. Um, is I mentioned Joe Cermelli earlier. It was a complete ripoff of his old podcast where he would they he and his co-host would take articles from their podcast was fishing based, so the fishing world, and uh, and then they would present them, and uh, their producer would choose a winner. So we're not in the fishing world; we're in the native plant world. So we adopted it and did it about native plants. And since we don't have a producer, we just kind of let you guys decide we let the listeners decide yeah, so which one which one and it's not necessarily which article is better because sometimes we'll disagree with the article yes. so it's really whose presentation was better yeah so it's a popularity yeah. contest yeah, so basically it's yeah. it's basically this week's botany based current events and of course it has to be a competition so let's get into this or that oh. <laughs> or or that's hot again all right let's try Two that again or, <laughs> <laughs> this or that That should serve as an intro to uh, our new listeners with my ineptitude at the soundboard. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we've done this. Uh, how long have we had the soundboard? Uh, probably oh, close to like seventy two, episodes. Two years, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, still haven't got it down. <laughs> you even have a little guide on well, there. Well, you know what? I will say this: <laughs> to add the Tom's Petty drop, I had to redo it all. Yeah, yeah. So I 
push the button mm-hmm. that it would typically be. Yeah. That I it would typically would have been three months ago. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so last buzz, uh, we had two great articles, but we had two short articles, probably did, the yeah. shortest Shortest this or that of all time. Mine was very picture-driven, which is a bold choice for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so you your article is about the California super bloom. Mine uh, was kind of a follow-up on uh, Hawaii's native plant rebound, and we have a winner, and the winner is me. I won 12 to 5, which I'm kind of shocked at. But yeah, I, I yeah, think that's... yours was picture-driven. Mine did follow up because I had done mm-hmm. articles before about the loss of biodiversity oh, yeah. native plants. Yep. So I don't know if that resonated, but yeah. well, friend, do you choose to go first or second? This time? I am going to go first. And as a punishment, my you made article, it very long again, <laughs> it's three pages. I mean, the last, the last long one was like five pages. So, and I will, up. I will say in here just for everyone listening that when we, we have our little word script in front of yeah. us and, I'll take the article, and no matter what it is, I try and trim it down to a page. I never. And I'll, like, cut down. (laughs) I'll cut out stuff and say, this isn't important. And sometimes it burns me because I'm like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I just I cut out some important key things there. So this one's – mine today is, like, a little. You got it. Like a paragraph over a page. Yeah. Mine's three pages. Well, let me see. Mine's not quite – like, two and a half pages. So I'll read quickly. Uh, mine is called Bees Face Many Challenges and Climate Change is Ratcheting Up the Pressure. This was on uh, theconversation.com by Jenny Durant. The extreme weather that has, been, that has battered much of the U.S. in 2022 doesn't just affect humans. Heat waves, wildfires, droughts, and storms also threaten many wild species, including some that already face other stresses. I've been researching bee health for over 10 years with a focus on honeybees. In 2021, I began hearing for the first time from beekeepers about how extreme drought and rainfall were affecting bee colony health. Drought conditions in the western U.S. in 2021 dried up bee forage and the floral nectar and pollen that bees need to produce honey and stay healthy. And extreme rain in the northeast limited the hours that bees could fly for forage. In both cases, managed colonies, hives, and that humans keep for honey production or commercial pollination were starving. Beekeepers had to feed their bees more supplements of sugar, water, and pollen than they usually would to keep their colonies alive. Some beekeepers who had been in the business for decades shared that they lost 50% to 70% of their colonies over the winter of 21 to 22. These weather conditions likely also affected wild and native bees. And unlike managed colonies, these important species did not receive supplements to buffer them through harsh conditions. Each year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the Environmental Protection Agency host federal pollinator experts to share the latest scientific findings on bee and pollinator health and assess the status, status of these important insects, birds, bats, and other species. One clear takeaway from this year's meeting was that climate change has become a new and formidable stressor for bees, potentially amplifying previously known issues in ways that scientists can't yet predict but need to prepare for. Pollinators contribute an estimated $235 billion to $577 billion yearly to global agriculture based on the value of the crops they pollinate. Understanding and mitigating the impact of climate change on pollinators – I just I just had to look. I'm like, I did restart this, right? <laughs> I was looking at <laughs> – Yes, you did. We paused, yeah. paused the recording for a second, and I, I, I doubted that. Um, Understanding and mitigating the impacts of climate change on pollinators is key for supporting healthy ecosystems and sustainable agriculture. Bee health first attracted widespread attention in 2006 with the emergence 
of colony collapse disorder, a phenomenon where the majority of the adult worker bees in a colony disappeared, leaving their honey in pollen stores and some nurse bees behind to care for the queen and remaining immature bees. In the past five years, reported cases have declined substantially. Now researchers are focusing on what beekeepers call four, four Ps, parasites, pathogens, pesticides, and poor nutrition, as well as habitat loss for wild and native bees. One of the most severe threats to honeybees over the past several decades has been varroa destructor, a crab-like parasitic mite that feeds on honeybees' uh, fat body tissue. The fat body is a nutrient-dense organ that functions much like the liver in mammals. It helps bees maintain a strong immune system, metabolize pesticides, and survive through the winter. These are vital functions, so controlling mite infestations is essential for bee health. Varroa can also transmit deadly pathogens to honeybees such as the deformed wing virus. Controlling mite populations is challenging. It requires using an insecticide in an insect colony or, as beekeepers say, trying to kill a bug on a bug. It's hard to find a formula strong enough to kill mites without harming the bees. Monitoring varroa takes significant skill and labor, and mites can build up resistance to treatments over time. Researchers and beekeepers are working hard to breed varroa-resistant bees, but mites continue to plague the industry. Pesticides also harm bees, particularly products that cause sublethal or chronic bee health issues. Sublethal pesticide exposures can make bees less able to gather forage, grow healthy larvae, and fight off viruses and mites. However, it can be hard to document and understand sublethal toxicity. Many factors affect how bees react to agrochemicals, including whether they are exposed as larvae or as adult bees, the mixture of chemical bees, uh, chemicals bees are exposed to, the weather at the time of the application, and how healthy a bee colony is pre-exposure. Researchers are also working to understand how soil pesticides affect ground-nesting wild bees, which represent over 70% of the U.S. native bee population. Like many other species, bees are losing the habitat and food source that they depend on, this happening for many reasons. For example, uncultivated lands are being converted to farmland or developed worldwide. Large-scale agriculture focuses on mass production of a few commodity crops, which reduces the amount of nesting habitat and forage available for bees. And many farmers often remove pollinator-friendly plants and shrubs that grow around farmland to reduce the risk of attracting animals such as deer and rodents, which could spread pathogens that cause foodborne illness. Research suggests that these efforts have harmed beneficial insects and don't increase food safety. As diverse and healthy bee forage disappears, beekeepers feed their bees more supplements and a sugar and such as sugar, water, and pollen substitutes, which are not as nutritious as the nectar and pollen bees get from flowers. Researchers don't know exactly how climate change will affect bee health, but they suspect it will add to existing stress. For example, if pest pressures mount for farmers, bees will be exposed to more pesticides. Extreme rainfall can disrupt bees' foraging patterns. Wildfires and floods may destroy bee habitat and food sources. Drought may also reduce available forage and discourage land managers from planting new areas for bees as water becomes less readily available. Climate change could also increase the spread of varroa and other pathogens. Warmer fall and winter temperatures extend the period when bees forage. Varroa travel on foraging bees, so longer foraging provides a larger time window for mites and the viruses they carry to spread among colonies. Higher mite populations on bee colonies heading into the winter will likely cripple, cripple colony health and increase winter loss. Studies have already shown that climate change is disrupting season, seasonal connections between bees and flowers. As a native, as spring arrives earlier in the year, flowers bloom earlier in different regions, but bees may not be present to feed on them. Even if flowers bloom at their usual times and locations, they may produce less nutritious pollen and nectar under extreme weather conditions. 
research that analyzes the nutritional profiles of beef forage plants and how they change under different climate scenarios will help land managers plant climate-resilient plants for different regions. There are many ways to support bees and pollinators. Planting pollinator gardens with regional plants that bloom throughout the year can provide much-needed forage. Ground-nesting native bees need patches of exposed and undisturbed soil free of mulch or other ground cover. Gardeners can clear some ground in a sunny, well-drained area to create dedicated space for bees to dig nests. Another important step is using integrated pest management, a land management approach that minimizes the use of chemical pesticides, and anyone who wants to help monitor native bees can join community science projects and use phone apps to submit data. Most importantly, educating people and communities about bees and their importance to our food system can help create a more pollinator-friendly world. So I just thought that was – you know we've talked about many of these things, and I know they, they kind of frame it towards honeybees somewhat, mm-hmm. but it affects all bees. And it's something that we talk about all the time with if you have climate change or you're not even planting the correct provenance. Sometimes you have plants blooming at the wrong time, which aren't helping bees or, or other pollinators yeah. when they need it or when they're migrating if they're showing up like we've talked about uh, – Certain plants, if, if you're not getting the right provenance and it's blooming two weeks too early and then the pollinators that typically are there for them, they're not, they're not meeting each other. They're not working together to help each other. And it's just interesting. I don't know if I had really connected climate change affecting populations like that. But it makes total sense after. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I mean we've, we've known about pesticides. We've known about varroa. We've known about these mm-hmm. other things. Yeah, it shifts so much and it's just um, – it takes a l- – a long time for us uh, to see that shift, but there's other things that are much more heavily impacted much quicker than we are. Yeah. So, no, that was a really interesting article. I mean, I know we've talked about native bees mm. for, for pollinating agricultural crops, uh, mm-hmm. and we know honeybees are used that way. But yeah. if, if there's a decline, that's going to affect everything. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, – I don't know what the response to that would be. From the general public, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's important for for ground nesting bees and to have that habitat. And and people people freak out. Like, do you want to walk through mm-hmm. your yard and 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 have bees? Yeah, you know, it's it's important. It's important to have those areas. But if you're rewilding, it seems more natural to have those areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I love what they highlight that you can do because it's things that we all talk about all the time. It's it's. Uh, not having mulch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, using green green ground covers or things like yep. that to to take area and and leaving your leaves and 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 just pollinator friendly gardens or, mm-hmm. or helping oh, helping yeah. out in in local experiments. It's yep. it's all important things. It's just one more thing that you can add to <laughs> to to what's already stacked up against yeah. our our oh, yeah. pollinators. Yeah. So. No, it's a good article. Uh, but they, you know, even though it highlights everything, I didn't feel as though it was doom and gloom. I felt it was, mm-hmm. hey, let's educate everyone, let them know these are this is how you can do your part, and it's just how you know learning more how it's going to affect everything. Yeah, no, interesting. What do you got? So my my article this week is uh is basically, friend, I hate to break it to you, but the sun does not revolve around you. It's uh, no, no, are you, no oh. it's it was a, an article. I I can't remember where I saw it shared, <laughs> but um, but it was titled. Up, uh, excuse me. How did somehow I cut out the title? <laughs> no, it's at the, the the page before. I I have it on mine. 
up until about 400 years ago, it was wildly, widely I accepted. That's the actual title, though. That Hold Earth on. was at the center of the universe and everything revolved around it. Maybe it yeah, is. I think it is. I think that's just the first. Oh, no. It, the title is Knowledge of Nature Challenges Human Centric Thinking. When I put all this stuff in, I uh, actually. So that's the gotcha. first line of the article. Gotcha. So. All right. Uh, this was from uh, the David Suzuki Foundation, and then it was republished a couple other places. And um, David Suzuki, I wasn't familiar with him, but he's like a a nature based uh, like filmmaker and uh, content creator. He's an older guy. He's he's born in nineteen thirty six. I remember okay. seeing that. But um, and this was written by him with contributions from uh, the senior editor, who was Ian Harring- or Hannington. Uh, and so it starts up until about 400 years ago, it was widely accepted. The earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it. When scientist Galileo, Galileo Galilei changed his geocentric view, confirming Nicholas Copernicus's heliocentric theory that planets revolved around the sun. He was charged with heresy by the Catholic Inquisition and crime punishable by death. In 1633, he was sentenced to life imprisonment, <laughs> imprisonment by the church. Um, and that ban was not, uh, or the church actually didn't lift its ban on heliocentric works until 1757, long after his death. Um, Despite the evidence, heliocentrism threatened a worldview that uh, puts humans at the center of creation. Understanding of our place in the cosmos may have advanced considerably over the past few hundred years, but we are still largely operating from the anthropocentric uh, or human-centered, if not geocentric, mindset. That is, we see humans as the pinnacle of existence on a level well beyond that of other life. That perspective is also facing challenges in light of growing scientific evidence. Uh, in Western culture, especially uh, plants and animals, have been long been considered rudimentary life forms, incapable of advanced cognition and the communication skills of humans that give us justification to exploit nature without much thought about the consequences. But scientific research is starting to confirm that many, in, or what many indigenous peoples have long known, that other life forms and perhaps even non-living things are as much our kin as they are objects to be used for our purposes. Stephen Buckman, a pollination ecologist and author of What a Bee Knows, exploring the thoughts and memories, uh, thoughts, memories, and personalities of bees, has studied bees for more than forty years. He argues that these tiny insects can demonstrate sophisticated emotions resembling optimism, frustration, playfulness, and fear and can experience PTSD-like symptoms, recognize different human faces, process long-term memories while sleeping, and maybe even dream, The Guardian reports. Oliver Millman, former guest, and uh, we profiled him in in his book, uh, which is, he's a writer for The Guardian, and author of The Insect Crisis, The Fall of the Tiny Empires That Run the World, says honeybees understand the concept of zero, can add and subtract numbers, and can even be trained to detect landmines more effectively than sniffer dogs. And some bumblebees can be taught to play soccer and remember good and bad experiences, suggesting they have a form of consciousness. As for cow or crows and other corvids, research shows that they know or they know what they know and can ponder the content of their own minds, which is a cornerstone of self-awareness and uh, shared by just a handful of animal species behind, besides humans, such as monkeys and great apes, a popular mechanics article reports. They can also use their complex brains to find creative solutions, such as dropping nuts on the road so passing cars can crack them open. We're also learning that plants have complex abilities that allow them to communicate and care for each other. Research by scientists such as uh, Suzanne Samard at the University of British Columbia, popularized in books by Peter Wallabin and others, uh, including um, Mr. Suzuki here, show that trees share nutrients through fungal networks and can warn each other of threats. New research has found that some plants emit high-pitched sounds when they experience stress from damage or dehydration. 
Although these are at frequencies humans can't hear, they could theoretically be detected by other animals. Although there's no evidence that the plants were making the sounds on purpose, researchers were able to distinguish between the different plants and what types of stress they were experiencing by the rate of the sounds, according to Smithsonian magazines. What much of the research shows is that we have been and still are operating at a limited understanding of nature and how it's all interconnected. We don't, uh, we don't stand outside or above nature. We're part of it. This is what many indigenous peoples regarded nature as kin and uh, to which we are connected rather than resources to be exploited. We'll no doubt learn or continue to learn more about the world around us, which will necessarily change our perspective. We rely on nature for sustenance, but even the limited knowledge of what we have shows we must fulfill our needs with greater humility and respect for all existence. I just really thought this was a one. One, it was short, yeah. which I appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, uh, so it just. I oh, I did like that it was short. It was very succinct and to the point. It didn't get bogged down in, um, in some of these uh, examples. That they use, they reference the examples. They basically get to the gist. Give you a link if you want to look up more. If you want to look up more about Oliver Millman's book or some of his other writings, you have the resources in this article to go and do that. Uh, same with the other authors that are are listed as resources. But it's it really demonstrated to me that we are often consumed by science, and we live in a world. And this is like because it's a very uh, us-based, uh, us-centric world, we tend to look at things that way. It's hard not to look at things with your own best interest first. But as science progresses, we can become more and more cognizant that there are other things going on here. There are other things we need to consider. Um, and that's constantly going to change. And uh, And it also makes me think, again, it would be way easier to live life if I was just ignorant to all, all this no, stuff and it, I didn't know it existed and didn't know it was a thing. You know, you um, you know, I do like bird photography, yeah. right? Yeah. I'm very amateur at it. But the other day I was walking to the back section of the nursery and I could hear like birds were, were starting to squawk a little bit. And I did the, um, uh, what is it? The Merlin ID app mm-hmm. and it was all red winged yeah. blackbird. So, and then they, they quiet it down. And as I walked by, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was one close to me, and right as I got close to it, it squawked, and all the other ones moved to the other side of the pond. So it was like yep. – to me, it felt obvious that they were communicating like threat on its way, mm-hmm. you know, like move. They all moved, and I'm like, man, there's got to be some way I can communicate that I'm not a threat, <laughs> yeah. whether it be yeah. like um, through – physical gesture or Mm -hmm. like there's no way like there's got to be a way that they understand because some animals like aren't scared in your presence some Mm -hmm. are yeah and maybe that's experience and memory but it's i don't know it's i think about this stuff all the time now (laughs) oh yeah i i um i referenced it with the the tick yeah just earlier i'm like i would i wouldn't have thought twice before reading that book, yeah. uh, the Hal Herzog book, I wouldn't have thought twice about taking that tick, throwing it in the toilet, throw, flushing it down the sink, taping it up, throwing it in the trash, or even clicking it with a pen like I yeah. did. Yeah. But after I learned, oh, well, there's more to consider here, I did think about it. Yeah. And that, and that's where I say it would be a heck of a lot easier to not, not think about <laughs> it. But now that I know, I can't unknow it in a sense. Um 
But going back to this, one of the things you said that that is something we've even talked about before is some of the research has been been done on human impacts in non-consumptive outdoor uh, experiences. Yeah. So that's a long way to say hiking, yeah, mountain biking, that kind of stuff versus yeah. hunting, fishing stuff yeah. where you're yeah. physically removing right. something from the woods. And outside of that, uh, if you're hunting, your goal is to physically remove uh, an individual from the woods or multiple individuals from the woods where the mountain biker does not have that goal. Yeah. Most of the process, you're still having the same impacts or more impacts. You're mountain biking through the woods every time you're taking turn the trail. You have birds or, or uh, squirrels or crows or uh, bears or deer that are aware of your entrance into their comfort zone and are changing their their actions because of that. Yeah. Um, in fact, you look at someone who's hunting, they're often trying to do it stealthily and maybe they're getting past some of the uh, awareness of some of these creatures. Um, and uh, you think, okay, that's not that big a deal. And I think on an individual instance, it's not that big a deal, but you figure how many people are, are hiking that trail or mountain biking that trail or doing whatever that trail on that day and now disrupting that deer. It's picking its head up from eating just that one or that and run bounding off a couple steps, not just one time, but now it's doing it tens of times or even hundreds of times or it's it's going to different areas and getting kicked out of there and all around mm-hmm. and how much energy they need to store for over the winter that now they aren't able to do just because someone's walking through. Mm-hmm. Um, it really makes you think. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that we need to stop doing those things. I think it's – but I, I think, think it's a, something you need to be cognizant of as you're doing those things. I think there's always been interaction and – well, not – obviously not always for the last – few hundred years and obviously that interaction changes as our population grows and we expand Mm -hmm. but i I don't know there's like i i definitely think that that a lot of these plants and animals are more advanced on communication (laughs) than than we are sometimes that that maybe they all know how to interact together and we just don't Mm -hmm. so just gut feeling i don't know that's that's what's in my head as I'm taking these walks now and I'm I'm observing and I'm like, why do I feel like an outsider? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. They're all working or they're all communicating together and I can't seem how to communicate. You don't understand them. the language, yeah. 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 No, I think it's it's basically the summation of this article to me is to keep an open mind. Realize that what you know today is going to be different from what you don't know tomorrow, and what you know tomorrow may counter, not counteract, uh, contrast with what you think you know today. Yeah. You're constantly trying to learn. Finding out you're wrong is one of the best things you can do in your life because it eliminated one of the options. Um, so, and, and it just makes you that much smarter because you know that wasn't an option like it used to be. So it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I think this is the call to just continue diving into to learning Um about nature and, and insects and plants and all that kind of stuff. I agree. So, yeah. I agree. Fantastic article. Two great articles. Uh, on Monday, we will put the uh, vote up, the poll, in our Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group. So make sure you go there and vote because. And of course, the choice is yours. I am thinking. Oh, let's see. What you want to do? Listener shout outs? Uh, yes. Yeah. Listener. Listener. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out. 
what do you have this week? I have a whole bunch. So why don't right. you go first? Because you, your I, list is much shorter than mine. You know, I have one, and and it 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 would it's really meant as a, a gesture of gratitude, and that's towards uh, Melinda Soltis, who was the guest for uh, the trials and tribulations of living in a or rewilding in a HOA, and. I, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on and spending time with us because I know it wasn't an easy conversation to have and it's not an easy story to tell, but it's an important journey that I think a lot of our listeners are experiencing as well and and had questions. So I, I just wanted to say I really appreciate putting yourself out there, having that conversation with us. People are responding uh, that they – that this really resonates with them and just mm-hmm. by the listens, it's – it's resonating with a lot of people yeah, because it's, it's sure. it may be it may end up being our most listened to episode in the first seven days. I think it. I have to look, but it may be there or really close. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's it's very close, close if it hasn't passed it by now. Yeah, but no, that was an awesome conversation. Uh, glad to have it. Glad to get some of my feelings on politicians out there. That was, <laughs> that was nice. It was freeing in a sense. <laughs> as I've just come off a, a Zoom meeting about about um. In, uh, invasive plant legislation in New Jersey, <laughs> and and I'm sitting on like our county board of agriculture, and I'm involved with Farm Bureau, and yeah. but I, uh, I, it's, I I've actually gone back and listened to it like this yeah. week as as I caught up on my other podcasts, I kind of put it on and been listening to it to and from mm-hmm. work, and yeah, I, Melinda, thank you so much, I really appreciate it. I I reached out via message the other day just to say thank you, but uh, I I know our listeners appreciate you you coming on and, and sharing this with us. What do you got? Yeah, so we had an updated um, five-star review. Oh, and that was from nice. CJB in AL, which I they wrote the review saying that they didn't want to like us at first, but then they did. <laughs> they were skeptical, I should yeah. say. I shouldn't say they didn't want to like us. Um, but they really enjoyed the Grow Read a Book segments, and uh, so which means I need to find more time to read when and listen to audiobooks, which reminds me, I have another one that – Oh, okay. I, I borrowed. I forgot I borrowed it. I got two days before I have to return it, so I got to listen, listen to it, it. So we can do next bus. I do most of my stuff. I a lot of my some of my reading, but most of my audiobooks I do on the Libby app, which is a, most or all our Burlington County libraries are affiliated. I know there's other people I've talked to in Michigan and other parts of the country that use the same app, but that's a great way to uh, to utilize your public libraries. And then get a book, and then suggest what books you're interested in. Too, they just had an update, so now I can like um, click like a notify me if the book they don't have. Oh, okay. I can click notify me for when they get the license, and I'm sure on their end they see, oh, there's people who are interested in this book. Maybe we should get a license. So I have tried on numerous occasions to do audiobooks, and it tends to be while I'm driving, and I don't have the attention span. I find myself, oh, I didn't listen for the last ten minutes. Or I hear mm-hmm. something and then I ponder it, yeah. And then I'm like, I got to go back. I got to go back. And it ends up becoming such a lar- long, drawn out process mm-hmm. for me that it, it kind of ruins the enjoyment of it. Yep. Yeah. And that's reading for me in general. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I read. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how I read. Yep. So, so uh, some of the other ones I had is we got a bunch of uh, Instagram messages over the last week and a half. So I wanted oh, to highlight awesome. some of those. Uh, one was from Annika who sent an article um, that I didn't use. I'm keeping that one in my okay. back pocket, oh. and uh, I think I might use that use that one next time. Um, also got a uh, message from Preston Drum who okay. had a lot of like 
suggestions. Really good okay. su- things we've talked yeah. about, actually. Yeah. Um, and uh, just different things that we can try out or cool. different guests he might be interested in, that kind of stuff. Very cool. And then uh, another one from Whitney Troy. And just off, I wrote down your name, but I forgot what you asked about <laughs> or what you, you wrote in with. But, um, and then also had a LinkedIn message from a fellow named Steve Hood. And then we actually scheduled a call because some of the stuff he was writing to me about sounded really interesting. And I had a Zoom call with him. He's starting a, a enterprise called Kudzu Solutions, which is an ecology technology company. And their mission is to connect gardeners with horticultural industry and plants uh, and ecological science. Um, the app, what they were talking about and what he showed me was really pretty interesting. Um, like the concept would be if you're a gardener here in New Jersey, it's going to, and you're saying I'm, I have this kind of condition in my yard. You could plug it in. Not only would it suggest what you might want to plant there or what you're like, if you put in your goals, I want to have a butterfly garden. It might not just going to suggest, Oh, maybe you want to try like a Sclepis incarnata, which is swamp milkweed. It'll also connect you with who, where you can get that in your area. Awesome. Um, And then, with preference, so you might be able to get it at Home Depot. I'm not sure if you can, but you might be able to get it at Home Depot. But they can't verify where those plants came from, and they might look at a, a like I'm thinking a toad shade nursery yeah. or toad shade wildflower farm, where man they're going out and collecting a lot of the seed from responsibly from wild sources. They're going to be have a local ecotype to you. They're they're doing it uh, more in an ecologically acceptable way. Yeah. Or, or ecologically focused way. Um, so they would probably be at the top of the list and say, oh, if you're looking for that plant, look here first. And then here's some other places you can get it. It might be a little bit closer to you yeah. or it might be uh, a little bit easier for you to, to get to. But if you want to get the the ecological, uh, ecologically uh, focused one, this is where you go. Oh, that's so pretty just cool. a really, really cool good concept. concept yeah. uh, they're looking for beta testers as they launch this this salt or this program and um and you can kind of stay in the loop if you you're interested in beta testing this uh their page is steve's gardens uh, by kudzu solutions and that's on facebook and i'll put the i just so, wrote down to put the yeah, link in the you, show notes. if you go to the i have a link that yeah for the show notes if you go to that link it'll take you to the facebook page um i guess join that facebook page or like that facebook page and then when they start to roll this stuff out you'll get notified and be able to to raise your hand and say, pick me, pick me for, for the beta <laughs> testing stuff. So, but no, it was just, it's a, a really cool idea um, to con- like, again, to connect people who may be interested in this, but can't find the stuff. So they're putting that network together. Very so. cool. Awesome. Awesome. So no questions this week, but we do have a comment awesome. on the question cool. and comment line. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. It's a simple question. Um, no, I didn't hear you. What was your question? All right. I've listened to this. You haven't heard it yet. No, so I haven't heard it. I think you'll appreciate this one. Hey, Brian and Tom. This is Carrie Lloyd of Hopewell, New Jersey. I absolutely love your show. Uh, I love that you guys are – I'm listening right now to The Buzz, The Dilemmas Within. Um I love the that you guys are bringing out the discussion about vegetarianism and, you know, conflicts about, like, you know, how somebody could be watching a cock fight and talking about how horrible it is while eating a chicken. That's, like, that's something I think about all the time. Um, but you also, you guys are talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the blood that you spill. Like, 
you know, you're either, it could be, like, even if you're eating vegetables or if you're eating meat, just please do remember that in factory farming, they create an enormous amount of pollution, and they are also, like, feeding, you know, uh, like, corn, like, monoculture corn to that cattle. And, um, you know, I, although I think it's great when people do, you know, have regenerative farming practices, the majority of the meat that people are eating is absolutely not. Um, and, uh, you know, they're they're pumping that water in. It's not coming from the rain. I just please, please remember that if you make another episode. Um, but thank you. I'm very grateful for you bringing up this topic. It's something we all need to think about. I love your show. Have a great day. Bye. You know, Fran, I kind of think that was unfair. You didn't play that very first. But it is what we basically said in the beginning. Yeah. So. No, it's, yeah, it's I, I knew I gave you the gist of it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. but um, there, there's so much to consider, oh, and yeah. I, I thought we were were I, I didn't realize we would go in depth early in the show. I thought yeah. we would go in depth like now? more as yeah, yeah now <laughs> like more more as a uh, a follow up. But um, it's it's so many great things to think about, mm-hmm. and it's hard to think about all of them. Like yeah, it's. Every time you do anything, you're making a choice, mm-hmm. and it's how much you want to dive in. And some people live their life lives by those choices. Like yeah. if you're vegan and you're you're looking at certain aspects of certain food practices, um, you know, and then you have people going strictly organic farming or regenerative farming. It's it's a it's a it's a lot to process and work out and figure out where which path you want to follow. Mm-hmm. And it's it's and there's a million different um, answers, you know. Oh it's, yeah, I think you could give that problem to to a hundred people, and I don't know if you have a hundred different answers, but you have at least ten. Yeah, it's you would have a lot of different routes where people could take, and this is what happens every day. People are taking the same information and having sometimes wildly different uh, outcomes or, or plans of action off of that. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, I agree with the, the factory farming perspective. I agree with a lot of that is, is our, how our agricultural process works today is basically getting, and, the, and again, you, you also have to back up, but it, Listen, let me, I've, let me say I've seen those tractor trailers <laughs> oh, yeah. of chicken cages yep. Yep. going down the road in the Eastern shore of Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, where they're being processed and yeah. I've seen. I don't even know if we've ever had this conversation where they would sell the blood as a fertilizer mm-hmm. that they would inject through plant nursery irrigation water. Interesting. I yeah. don't know if that's a pro- – this is going back to the 90s, but I remember going yeah. by a nursery that was in that area because I was working for a nursery that had yeah, yeah. a location in that area, and I was asking what was wrong with the irrigation water. Yeah. Or not at the nursery I worked you know, at, but another nursery. That's fascinating because that's like – Maybe this is a different opinion, but I think that's actually a good thing. In a it's sense. an interesting because way now to you get to it, you, that product isn't just going away or going to waste; it's being used for something. It's being um, used to grow life yeah. in another route. Yeah, but yeah, it's a uh, we have our food system right now is basically getting it's getting food to market as fast as possible, and then also having the longest shelf life possible. And that's now we're looking at it from like, again, from that ecological lens and we're like, that's not really the best thing, but it's a product of really world war two 
when we're going into the Cold War and it's like we need to have a resilient food system in case there's a, a nuclear yeah. like war and people can go underground and be able to live because you aren't going to have land that you can farm on. You're not going to have any – like we need to have as basically food security. Yeah. And um, so it's – it's not like we just did that out for no reason. It was it was really because like we needed to do it because we're at threat of yeah. of World War Three. Not that we aren't now yeah. too, but but, but it was tensions yeah. were very high then, yeah. and that was why we took those routes. It's an well, interesting part that the Eastern Shore is very interesting in some of their practices too. Like for nurseries, you see a lot of stoned. Like our our roadways are stoned or under the houses. That part of the the country they use. Uh, ground clam shells mm-hmm. uh, instead of stone as a byproduct from the, yeah. the fisheries in that area. You know, oh, yeah. it's uh, it's it's interesting to see how some of that stuff gets reused and repurposed. Um, mm-hmm. Just in, and I've only ever really seen it in that part of the country. Yeah, yeah, but it's and, uh, interesting. And it's going talking about like regenerative ag. It's um, it kind of it just seems to go hand, a lot of it seems to go hand in hand with using utilizing more another issue i have with our food system is we have like romanticized cuts so it's like everyone you go to the steakhouse everyone wants a filet mignon even you go to the grocery store you're looking for ribeyes filet mignons uh strip steaks like it's all the choice cuts yeah which even historically were not the prized cuts they were but how many times are you going to the store and finding like beef liver or, yeah. or kidneys or that kind of stuff? And a lot of that stuff is then used for, it doesn't get necessarily discarded. I'm sure a lot of it does, yeah. but it's used in other means that might not be the most savory when it could be easily consumed. Mm-hmm. And it's actually very nutritional for you. Well, I, um, I've had this conversation with you, with my wife, you know, saying growing up in Poland, mm-hmm. like you didn't waste anything oh, when yeah. you slaughtered a pig yeah. like like and that's what we talked about head cheese and yeah. she was like that's a delicacy even though it's used i think it's tongue mm-hmm. and uh it's they found a way to to use the leftover parts in a yeah. palatable way that yeah that so nothing would ever go to waste because mm-hmm. it was limited it wasn't yeah let's just kill to kill and we're just gonna have the you know the pork and the bacon yeah. and the ham you know it yeah. was everything got used oh yeah and, and that's Still, how it should be, yeah. but it's just um, that speed to market, like designer cuts in a sense, have, well, have I, just kind of taken over, and everyone wants the best. You don't want what no. is not considered the best, which is sometimes better for you. Now, when I was a kid, liver was a much more utilized yeah. meal, mm-hmm. you know, but as that for people that didn't like it and got older, like, have you heard of anyone eating liver? Like recently, um, I'm not necessarily going and eating it. I, other than older, you folks. don't. I've yeah. never seen it on a menu. Have you? Uh, I, I have, but I can't remember where. It's a funny story about that. Is my wife and I had gone to a little European tour, and we were in Paris, and we went to a restaurant, and she ordered, she ordered what she thought was veal, um, but turned out it was veal liver. Oh, and honestly, that, it was incredible. It was really? so good. Wow! And like this was like a, a famous French restaurant. It was so good. It was like really amazing. Yeah. And and she was like a little upset that that's what she got when she when it was handed to her. 
And then after she ate it, she's like, it was so good. But I, it was still like a little weird just because mentally it was weird yeah. because she hadn't really eaten that before. But, um, yeah, yeah, I can't say it's not like you're not going to McDonald's and seeing it on a menu. No, you're not even going to most diners and seeing it on a menu. No, I think. it's not something. It's, uh, so what what's happening to that? How is it getting used? Yeah, is yeah, it I'm, getting used? I'm assuming they aren't just throwing it out. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that assuming too. It's becoming a byproduct, and it's it's either fed to other livestock or it's used in some other industry. Yeah. But I'm going to say, all right, what? take a quick look. Take a quick look, and then. From there, we'll we'll go into take it or leave it. Um, let's see. I know it's become a lot of that stuff has become more popular now too. What happens to less less popular cuts of meat? Oh, yeah. Well, this makes sense. Right. Like I was saying, something else is eating dog yeah. food. Okay, a lot all of right. it's going into dog food, um, and pet treats and all that kind of stuff. Okay, and that makes like, sense. Like I know I there's a a little um, there's a, a meat store not too far from us yeah and you go in there and they have a lot of that those kind of cuts because they do a lot of their own butchering there but it's like i remember uh walking down the aisle and seeing like the refrigerated case and i'm like huh what's beef pizzle <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i know what that is. and then yeah it's uh <laughs> it's something else that starts with a p yeah it's kind of <laughs> like when i found out what bully sticks were for dog treats. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, what? What is this? And then they told yeah. me, I was like, oh. So, okay. yeah, a lot of that stuff is used for, for animal treats, pet food. And, but then some cultures still eat it. Yeah. So it's still somewhat available. But you're not going into the grocery store. Like a, a ShopRite or an Acme or a – Those are our regional ones. I guess you, I should say Kroger. I have seen in a ShopRite chicken claws. Okay. Yeah. But only in one. It's in it, – south of us. It's where my, my yeah. father-in-law lives. You used to get like chicken livers at the, at the grocery store. Yeah. I think you still yeah. do that. But, it, but that was interesting to see packaged chicken feet. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I had never seen that in a shop. Have you ever eaten a chicken foot? No. I had one in China. How was it? Tastes like chicken. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I, you, but it wasn't it, like it was – I don't know. It was more of like a weird is thing. Is it more work? Is it just – it tastes the same but it's just more work to get at it? Yeah, it's very like I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's been it's also been like fifteen yeah. years, but um, right. yeah, it's been it's, that long. Wow, because I remember when yeah. you went, I didn't realize two thousand oh two twelve years. It was okay. two thousand eleven. Wow. So yeah, no, it's it's hard yeah. to describe. <laughs> all right. But, yeah. But okay, it, I'm going to shop right. I'm going to get right. some chicken feet. I'll tell right. you that was so it. But it, that was down in like I said where my father-in-law lives Mm -hmm. and it's it's a different culture there and i like you see completely different things in the shop right there than you would see in all the other shop there was a really cool um meteor episode within the last it was probably january february and it was about a lot of it was about organ uh and how usda looks at organs okay and like Haggis is the one that's like lung, you right? Can't get and you can't get real haggis, haggis here because yeah. of respiratory things. And he's kind of explaining yeah. the guest is explaining some of the reasoning behind it, whether it is good reasoning or bad yeah. reasoning too. So anyway, we're getting way off. Yeah, topic let's, the, let's do. Plants, all right, let's but, di- let's do take it or leave it. I will so. say, yeah, I appreciate the call. I think, um, yeah, I'm glad we're it's we're thinking outside the box. And like we said good. when we started, it it, it was. We were afraid that maybe it would be perceived as too controversial, yeah. Oh, yeah. but I think 
hopefully we presented it in a mm-hmm. way that was thoughtful. Yeah. yeah, read the book. Yeah, or listen to the book like I did because it's just it's at the very least it's going to make you think. You may disagree with a lot of what they write, but that's yeah. it's really doesn't give opinions. It does sometimes, but most of it is just like why Questions, is this okay, yeah. but this isn't. Yeah. Why is this okay, but this isn't. In, but this is okay in, in Korean culture, and then what we do is not. That's because there's so, no yeah. answer. There's yeah. no one answer. Exactly. You know. But So take it or leave it. We, we've talked about – I don't know if you, you looked at this, but this is something that Christiane, who's our producer for A Native Plant Every Day, mm-hmm. kind of brought up because I was struggling to find a take it or leave it. She brought up rehoming your leaves. So we always talk about just leaving your leaves, and she was mentioning the practice where you – you don't necessarily dispose of your leaves, and you don't necessarily you leave them. You rehome them to repurpose them in in other areas. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with the yes the process? Yeah. So, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think it's better than than getting them shredded or, or sent to the the um uh I know the, I don't even know where they bring the leaves yeah. when they pick them up. I like I know I, the ta- our township will go and pick up leaves, but I don't know what they do. Do they do grind it. them? I'm assuming there is a composting place that's at our our local uh, landfill. Center, yeah. So I'm going to assume that they're probably ground up and then used in the compost facility. Okay, but I don't know. You know, I'm okay with rehoming. You know, like technically, if you're putting the leaves in your garden, mm-hmm. you're rehoming. Yeah. You know, or using them mm-hmm. as a mulch, you're rehoming. I, I like the idea of trying to keep them close, you mm-hmm. know, to that area. Like there's certain types of woods which support certain types of organisms. Yeah. You know, and yeah. if you're in an oak forest, it's supporting things that can live in an oak forest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I'm okay with it. I, I am okay. I, I agree it's better than the alternative of removing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't like the disturbance of it, but I agree. I think it's a it's a good compromise, and there's a lot of good that comes of it. Yeah. I would like to know some of the negatives. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I wonder what would be considered a negative for rehoming your leaves. I'm I'm, I'm going to look it up. Can't that other than one of the negatives is you're not you're not leaving the leaves. Yeah, but um, but no, I I like I said they're going to move around most places anyway because of the wind. Yeah, when when I do rehoming leaves, everything is about rehoming pets. Okay, nothing's coming up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why I, mm. I put leaves, but it just wants to show me pets. So. So I I don't really see like if you're disturbing or if you're moving them rehoming them too far. Mm-hmm. Like uh, to different areas, I could see that being an issue because uh, maybe you're not supporting the, the the organisms that you would support aren't there to yeah to take or the bacteria. But um, all right, I think that's that's been a good episode. I I didn't think we'd go this long, but we're actually probably an hour and twenty yeah, minutes. No, that's cool. That's good, cool. Good it episode. was it was a good episode. A lot of fun. A little break from the the phone calls and emails and. I needed that break. Meetings today. and all that kind of stuff. So, um, no, that was all the fun stuff that goes on in the in the nursery yeah. industry in the spring. So, yeah, Brad Leone, if you're listening to this, you're you're always welcome on as a guest. I, I you know, I said it was our first blue check listener, but I don't know if it actually is because I started thinking. I'm like, there are some other people who follow us who have some big followings. He's just the first one I've noticed, noticed. that was that, that one resonated. Yeah, with I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go and take a little look through. Well, maybe, you know, we've been talking about a root. I was like I have, the first one I see is a blue. Oh no, it's him again. That's okay. why. <laughs> the we keep talking about wanting to have a rooted discussion about cooking with natives. Yeah. And he was one of the first people I reached out to. And, yeah. And 
that, that never wrote back to me. So maybe I have an so in. Maybe maybe that's because I have some other people that I think would be good fits. It was just getting them all together. Would you was, include was Sam Thayer in that one? Uh, it, I probably we could. Okay, but I was I was looking to expand the the net a little bit. Okay, there's another guy who lives near Sam Thayer and works with Sam Thayer. He's like a, a professional yeah. chef. And he was he was on a TV show with Sam Thayer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, he was one of them. And then Alyssa Lewis. And then my cousin referred someone in uh, Connecticut. By, by Lane? By, by, I forget his full name. Yeah, okay. but that guy. Yeah. Um, so there was a couple times we got close. And I'm like, hey, I think we can do it. Let's pick a date. And then it just kind of fell apart. So, yeah, I still want to do that. Get Brad Leone on. And, All uh, right. And then or do our whole thing and we'll we'll be in good shape. All right. So awesome. All right. Well that's gonna wrap us up for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to the buzz. Thank you everyone for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pylons Nursery. Thanks. Since we're giving thanks, thank you, RJ Comer, for our buzz theme music. Uh make sure you stream or buy RJ's music. Uh wherever you consume your music, check out his Americana playlist on Pandora. You'll be happy that you did. Follow us at Twitter at or on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or at Pinelands Nursery, and YouTube at Pinelands Nursery. We now have a question and comment line. You can call us at 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. Ask a question or leave a comment, and we'll do our best to play it on a future episode of The Buzz. And the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group, I I love that it's kind of – there's an influx of new members and the conversations see re, seem reinvigorated. And we're not even really that much of a part of it anymore. It's become a community. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we're the facilitators any longer. It's kind of taken over itself and i'm I, i'm very it makes me very happy every time i look through or make a comment of what's going on there yeah yeah definitely so you can buy native plants healthy planet merch at our website www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com there's a link at the top it takes you to our store and then you can find uh lots of different things um t-shirts phone cases russ yeah. Fenari just showed us his phone case is still holding up yeah it looks so good it looks good it's a little worn on the back where you i guess he holds it but but he also got a comment from someone at the the conference. We didn't even follow up about the Sami conference. No, we didn't. Oh man, oh, that was that was a good conference. It uh, was we'll, a very maybe good. We'll conference. talk about it next time. You know, I'm um, going to add that in the notes. So it was Society of American Society of American Mar- Military American Engineers. Military Engineers. But someone he had his phone case on the back says "Plant Native Plants," and whoever he was eating lunch with asked about the phone case. So or asked about the message, and then he was telling us about it. He so. was sitting right behind us, yep. kind of yep. tapped us on the shoulder. So. Yes, yeah, so uh, you can find all sorts of stuff there, and we don't keep any of the profits from that. We take them, give it to people who who are we feel are doing the right thing uh, when it comes to native plants. So, and uh, yeah, so you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and really wherever Everyone. you consume your podcast. Uh, I haven't found a place where you can't. I agree. Um, except maybe the radio. I don't think we're on the. <laughs> no. <laughs> maybe if you hit up one of those weird AM stations, they're, they're pirating it. <laughs> that would <It's>, be. <laughs> you know what? I'd be okay with that. So, That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> but um, uh, if you can, when you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, really, wherever you can leave a review. If you do leave a five star review, that goes a long way into promoting the message of Native Plants and getting it in front of more eyeballs and ear holes. And um, 
and just getting more people invigorated about uh, conversations around native plants. So if you do a little write-up or amend your write-up with that five-star view, I give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes and uh, and have a little fun with it. So yeah. I I think at some point we have to revisit the idea of doing a live I don't know a live podcast or just like a live Facebook thing where people yeah. can can ask us questions. Yeah, yeah, I still want to do it. It's just it's hard finding the time to it do is. it. It is. But you made me think of yeah. like the I'm like it'd be kind of cool if someone offered us like a 1-hour radio show once mm-hmm. a week and you, we could take calls and just yeah. do that and I'm like where are you going to find the time for that? But we could do it on yeah. Facebook. What at I would some love point. to do is just like a Facebook live or an Instagram live. I was also told there's no way to feel worse about yourself than doing a Facebook live because <laughs> you really see how many people show up. And it's like what if we did it and only like two people joined? It'll be Russ Finari and Alyssa Lewis. It would be and fun. It would be a lot of fun. It would, would be a lot of that. fun. So yeah, I agree. But, any um, secrets? Do you have any secrets? Oh, I'm sure I have a whole bunch. Um, it's what I want to share. Uh, let's see. Oh, I say it in the next episode, but I'll use it as a secret now. But I was, I, my wife and I went to a concert in Philly last Friday, um, went to a restaurant, really like good pizza place, like high end pizza yeah. place in, in, um, ranked like in the top ones in the country at some point. It's points. in Philadelphia, but it gets ranked. I've seen it ranked in the top five oh, yeah. in the in the country on so a you few can, times. Yeah, you, if you Google it, you'll figure out what I'm talking about. I don't want to attach a name, but Ramps on Pizza, awesome idea. Yeah, eight dollars for Ramps on Pizza. I don't know if I want to promote the harvesting of Ramps from no from culinary locations. So yeah. But uh, no, it's. I think it's. It's cool. To was see it worth it? it? Like, did we you, didn't get them? Oh, you didn't get no. Oh, wow. You, you know my wife. Are we going to pay for eight dollars <laughs> for ramps on her pizza? <laughs> <laughs> it was already a twenty-eight dollar pizza. Yeah, but it did yeah. have shiitake mushrooms and all kinds of stuff on there. Um, I'm trying to remember red onion. It was really. It was. Would like you put phenomenal. that? Would you put that pizza in your top five? Oh man, because um, I mean, they this top five in the country yeah. just gets picked. We're in a good pizza area. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're. In we really haven't talked area. about it in a long time, but are you putting that in your top five? It's, it's probably close. If it's not, it's definitely top ten. But it's, I would say it's top seven. I would say yes. Okay. Top five, I would have to go down the list. I'd have to refresh my memory on and all this stuff. And say, is it actually in in there? So, yeah, yeah, those lists are so so subjective because I've seen there's a place that Tom and I both like in in South Jersey that mm-hmm. someone showed it was in like a top twenty in the world. Yeah, and that caused a lot of arguments. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Because that's but, like that's not even the best pizza place in that town, and it is like there's a strip, there's three fantastic pizza places, mm-hmm. right? You know, within two blocks of each other. Yeah. But um, no, it's I was cool to see a native plant on like a big time restaurant menu. Yeah. Um, that being said, like I, I just had seen what's it the uh, the Black Forager had put up a thing saying like, stop telling people the. Uh, watch how many ramps they collect. That's not why we're losing ramps. It's because these you have restaurants that are paying a lot of money for people to go out and collect as many as they can in an unsustainable fashion. You go into the woods and taking enough ramps for your family to have a meal or two is not what's hurting things. It's these restaurants going and selling $8 ramps to who knows how many people every night for a month straight. 
that's where that's, that's where all the rants are going. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about it on the next episode too. Yeah. I was talking about in West Virginia, they're doing the ramp ramparoni, which is mm-hmm. a ramp and pepperoni stuffed donut in West Virginia, and they only do it certain times of the yeah. year. Sounds delicious. I want it. Yeah. But how many? Yeah. How many ramps are they using to make that and pulling out of the wild? And then is it? Are they collecting it sustainably? Are they? That I don't. Um, And it's sustainable collection is always a funny thing to me too. Maybe we leave that for take it or leave it. But sustainable because it's like who you don't know who was there before you. Like with morel mushrooms is another one. I hear the argument all the time where it's like people walk in. Okay, I'm approaching a patch of morel mushrooms and I see there's. 20 of them there. Yeah. So I'm oh, I'm going to collect sustainably. I'm going to take five. Yeah. Well, then an hour later, someone walks in and sees a patch of morel mushrooms and there's 15. So they take three. And yeah. It's like, and, oh, now you, all of a sudden you have one guy and there's one left. And he's like, well, it's the only one I found all day. He takes <laughs> it. So over, even though I collected sustainably and the person after me collected sustainably, we all collected sustainably. The whole patch it's ends still. up going because we're only there for that little instant and see what we see. So, yeah. All right. We'll say I'm writing that down for the next buzz, too. Yep. So keep in Yeah, that'll notes, be my so. question to you. All right. So. <laughs> All right. Awesome. All you right. got it. I'll add that in. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thanks again, everyone. Coming up next week, we have a very special rooted discussion that we kind of teased about the American chestnut. And we're really excited to to release this one into the podcast world. So make sure you tune in uh, next week for that one. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planted Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.